Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. What's that noise? I don't hear anything. Okay. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Trash Heap. It's me, Elliot, joined always uh, by Keith. Keith, how you doing today? Great. This is the show we we ask hot questions and eat even hotter wings. This is that's a different show, Keith. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. I could go for some chicken wings, though. Try to think about when was the last time I had a chicken wing. You ever do that? Uh, like the lemon pepper. Everybody always goes for like the. You know, the classic buffalo or like the mango habanero or what have you? You know, so like the straight up the straight up hot wings is not something I have very often. Yeah. I like them. I just like I don't go to places, you know, like and order them. Uh, well, wing places are always super busy. It's not like you can just go in and like grab a couple of wings and places chill out. Places that are specifically wing places are the type of place i do not want to be in ever yeah they always have drink specials for like a bucket of bud lights or corona or something right. like that. right and like there's like 90 tvs like the tele the table is a yeah. tv and it's just <laughs> completely it's super loud the napkins are tvs they're tvs there's just like carrot sticks and celery everywhere on the floor i see i love that though that's my favorite oh, i like part. i, love the, I like the carrot sticks and celery i just don't you know, there's just always a shriveled up carrot on the floor. Right. You know, and you you, you look over and you're like, Ugh. and there's no rabbits in sight to. Uh, yeah, clean exactly. Them up. Yeah, so wing places themselves, I hate. Uh, wings, chicken wings, the food, regardless of st- preparation style, is I, I think it's an underrated piece of chicken. Uh, I like fried chicken wings. I like fish sauce wings. I like, uh, you know, roasted, you know, from a roasted chicken. I like the chicken wing. Uh, so I like wings. And buffalo wings are good, but it's probably the type of chicken wing I eat the least frequently. Just because I don't go to those places, and if I'm at a place that serves them, rarely am I like, hey, uh, I'm not going to order a big plate of wings for, for myself for you know just eat eat alone for dinner and it's like does anyone else want wings maybe yes i don't know well that's a rare occasion where you know you're just gonna order a thing for where everyone just have a single wing you know well usually if you go somewhere where there's wings on the menu but that's not the the focus uh there's probably something better available right that's why it's more fun to go like destination wings like that's your mission is everybody's having wings you're going to get wings um, you know what I you know what I really like you ever had like the Korean fried chicken wings? Oh yeah, I'm much more likely to order that. Or like I said, like in a Vietnamese restaurant, fish sauce wings. Yeah, those the, would the be hun- things that I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah, honey garlic or something with like a gochujang or yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the jingle for sure. So, which brings us to the subject of our today's show, which is Chicken Wing the movie. <laughs> I was going to say something, try and bridge it together by saying something about flightless angels and wings oh being a metaphor for... So we watched a bad movie. Um, Keith, have you seen... <laughs> Before we get into that, Keith, have you seen any good movies lately that you want to talk about or give a shout out to, recommend anything fun, exciting? Let's take a look. I use the Letterboxd app diary uh-huh. feature to keep track of the movies because i always forget that's not a good indicator of whether or not i've watched a good because i've i've watched some good movies and still not enjoyed them or uh, or not remembered them rather so yeah i always forget too and i use the letterbox app as a tracking method as well but not consistently so it doesn't really help me that much yeah exactly because one thing i don't like about it is when you log a movie you watched it uh it, it catalogs it chronologically in terms of the time that it came out, not necessarily in terms of what you've watched most recently. What? That's not correct. Oh, that's how mine works. What? You're doing it wrong. I, I guess maybe there's a feature I can change or something. And yeah, all my, my movies are in uh, the order in which I watched them. 
Oh, really? Maybe there's just, yeah, maybe there's a setting that I can change. Because, like, if it'll do with, if I watch a movie from 1980. Oh, yeah, you just felt there's a filter you sort by diary date. Well, shit. Yeah. Oh, custom posters is enabled. Sweet. Well, there's all kinds of. Can you imagine paying for this thing? I can't imagine paying for this thing. Anyways, People... I'm looking at June 2023 here, and I feel like I've watched more movies, but I guess I don't log, like, just stupid, like, Netflix documentaries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have watched three movies this month, uh, one of them being the movie that uh, we're talking about today, and then I also watched Renfield and Old, M. Night Shyamalan's Old. So I asked you if you watched any good movies, so the answer is no. <laughs> it would not appear so. Although I think Old is a very interesting movie. I think Old is a, a movie you should watch for some, you know, a couple laughs. Some of it is, like, extremely baffling. Some of it I was actually spellbound and mesmerized by. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't know what I really think of it. Yeah, it's not good. But like you just said, there's, like, good qualities to it, you know, at the same time. Like, it's a very good-looking movie. You know, it's shot very well for the most part. Uh, There's a couple, like, cool set pieces, collectively overall it's pretty bad and uh, the the outcome is just like kind of like, okay that's that's the end of the movie i guess yeah but i would recommend i mean m night Shyamalan is such a weird guy i mean like we're not like breaking any new ground by talking about is a uh, sporadic various quality of filmography but it's like comes out with three pretty solid movies right in a row and then after that it's just a pretty big nosedive with occasional like highlights you know and i don't know exactly what it is but i mean it may be like success going to his head and thinking anything he does is is golden yeah i mean maybe he uh is just a victim of the studio machine and they caught on and were like hey just recreate the formula over and over again and yeah uh, but he, and seems then he like takes he has... that money and does things that he wants to do yeah but he seems to have a lot of control over his his output you know so it's like there maybe was like a, a little little spot in the middle where he seemed like he was taking movies just for the money like maybe like after earth and last airbender but overall it's like like he gets to make the movies he wants to make it, it appears. And uh, did you see his most recent one, The uh, Knock at the Cabin? No. So that's another one where I, the movie looks fantastic. Uh, it's the same cinematographer as The Lighthouse, you know, which is another really good-looking movie, phenomenal-looking movie. Um, Dave Bautista is, like, genuinely excellent in the movie. The movie itself is, while not boring, like not good whatsoever you know and i think there's something to be said for that when it's not boring but you know i mean like that has to be some some level of of skill or quality going on but overall it's it is like objectively in my opinion a bad movie um well that one's based on a book though so how much blame can we really throw on to so the people that made the movie when it's well, the book's I mean, it's the book's fault is stupid <laughs> Well, I mean, you could also be like, but you also like chose to make a movie out of the book. And I've also read and heard an interview with M. Night Shyamalan where he he, he changes the book. I've read like from people who like reviews from people who have read the book and watched the movie that it's changed dramatically. And M. Night Shyamalan in an interview said like, he's like, yeah, uh, I read the book and I was like, first I turned it down because it's not for me. But then I was like, what if I change this, this and this and change the entire ending and et cetera, et cetera. So, like, the the movie departs drastically from the book. So There's a that... lot of stories that are like that where they're like, we read this book and we loved the premise and the title and everything else was we didn't want. So we bought the rights to do this and then we gutted the whole thing. <laughs> and I mean, that's fine. I mean, like... I guess. I, I, I mean, like, Jurassic Park, the book is way different from Jurassic Park, the movie. And I would say the changes they made overall were pretty smart. You know, I've I've definitely read books where I was like, that book is not good. And then the movie is 
it actually is really good, you know, where they've yeah. done the, the exact th- same thing that you're talking about. Uh, so I think it's kind of like by a situation by situation base. I mean, I, you can definitely, I mean, you see the same thing too, where it's like, there's a bad movie from, you know, the past that had a really good idea and someone goes, you know, I, I'll make a remake out of that. And you end up with something pretty interesting. There's definitely instances of that happening as well. Do you think that sometime in the future, someone is ever going to remake 1996's Eraser? No. I don't. Well, they already did, because there's a movie called Eraser Reborn. What? Is it a sequel? (laughs) Uh, I think so. It has to be. That has to be like a VOD thing or direct-to-video, right? It came out in 2022. Okay, so that is... Oh, yep, this is 100% a remake. Holy shit. Well, that's such an odd idea. Hey, let's take this movie that was kind of a flop. This Arnold Schwarzenegger movie was kind of a flop that no one cared about and remake it into a, a movie that no one has ever seen. Technically, it has nothing to do with the original. It's a reboot. It has none of the original cast and a fraction of the original's budget. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, like the most, like if you just read the tagline uh, synopsis, based on the U.S. Marshal Mason Pollard, who is specialized in engineering the, engineering the fake deaths of witnesses that leaves no trace of their existence. I mean, that is the, ba- that is the same basic setup of the movie Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Do you you um, know they should change the the titular line of "You've just been erased" to "You've just been re-raised"? Oh my god! Remember? Do you do you remember in like in elementary school there were kids that said that instead of saying "erased" they would say "re-raised"? I have heard children say that. Yes, I distinctly remember, and it was the the kid that always said it. He was the same kid who like pulled his pants all the way down to his ankles to pee in the urinal. You know the thing is, I've also. Heard heard adults say it too <laughs> in a non-joking fashion yeah so. it seems to be something that crosses uh the borders of age yeah it's truly remarkable so that's what we're, we're talking about today is the movie re-racer re-racer starring old arnold schwarzenegger um james con james coburn uh, james and- coburn for no other reason than it was pretty obvious he was like hey I want to be in a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, this this is what like the majority of his career was at this period of time. It was just like showing up as the boss to be like, "Hey, do you trust this guy? There's... I don't know. If, you know, <laughs> I I got a job for you. Who is this?" There's you know? literally a scene near the end where he just walks up and then shows the camera his teeth, and then it cuts to something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this was him. It was just like. <laughs> So that stupid. was that was his career at this moment. Um, and also, who else is in this movie? Uh, James Cromwell is in it for four seconds. Oh, Vanessa Williams? Yeah. A Grammy who, Award winner? A guy who looks so much like Dan Hedaya that I thought it was him for like five minutes. Oh, yeah. Who's uh, that guy? Who's that Italian guy? Robert Pastorelli. Yeah. That yeah. guy's in there. Um, Danny Nucci, who you might remember from a bunch of Michael Bay uh, produced movies in the mid-90s, and that's about it. Uh, one of the dudes from Mad Men is in it. Oh, yeah. Know. There's a couple of dudes. There's one of the dudes from The Rock. Uh, yeah. There's gen- a, that's generic the, that's, marine guy. That's Danny Nucci. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's a guy from Con Air. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like, uh, I recognize that guy character. Yeah, the action it. zeitgeist is uh, yeah. in full f- force yeah. here. There's going to be a lot of people, but they aren't really doing a whole lot. No. This is a no. movie. I was shocked and appalled to see that this is a movie directed by my old pal Chuck Russell. Yeah. Director of such films as The Blob remake. This guy's career is also, you know, we're just talking about M Night Shyamalan's career, but this guy's career is also kind of like a little wild as hell. Yeah, cuz I mean like he does first he does uh Night on Elm Street 3 uh Dream Warriors, which is like generally like properly considered to be it's between that and the first one of which one is the best 
a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. That's the general consensus that it's one of those two. Um, then he does the Blob remake, which is like exceptional on so many levels in the sense of like, one, it's just a really good movie in and of itself. It does the thing we were talking about just a minute ago, where it takes a not so great movie from the past and turns it into a really good uh, remake. It does something that I think is really hard to do, which is it makes a big pile of goo a scary monster, you know. Then the next movie after that is The Mask, you know, which uh, I the really liked. The Mask. Was, yeah, with the Jim Carrey movie, which I really liked when I was a kid, and I, I rewatched it a few years ago, and it did not hold up for me. I don't, it's not, I don't didn't think it was a good movie. But even then, it's like, on a technical level, it's a well-made movie, you know. Oh, of course. You know, and then you his next movie is this, which is none of the qualities of those three movies we just talked about or I I just mentioned. Unless you're the type of person who likes a, just a nice vanilla milkshake. Uh, You know, I do like a vanilla milkshake, but I still want that, you know, no, but you also like spicy Korean wings and fish oil. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a person who is completely content with a vanilla milkshake, this is the movie for you. This is a completely, like, very generic, very bland action thriller. So if you want, like, a solid, like, competent three-star action movie, it's here. For the most part, there is no, like, glaring, like, terrible filmmaking going on aside from a handful of shots that are out of focus for some reason but it's it's also not aside from maybe the rail guns which is not something you see in movies too often (laughs) that was like the, the big gimmick but i mean it starts from minute one with the like the opening credit sequence is sort of like this like espionage black bag suit up sequence but it's like not if you compared this opening credit sequence to say like uh the opening credits of like seven uh-huh you know what i mean this is like the watered down like play school like safe version it's sure. just a very yeah. and it's not even like in a time when michael bay is making action movies uh or uh, John Woo or literally anybody else like this is just like their Mountain Dew and this is just plain water baby I think like you're partially correct in that assessment oh, I man, would say this argue is... let's fight oh yeah <laughs> let's do it I would say this is more like the phoned in version you know because See, I don't think it was lazy in any way I just think it was there are parts that are not and there are parts that are so lazy. And you're right. The, 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 what are the unique things? They made it in the marketing for this movie when it came out. And I didn't see this movie until just watching it out. It's one of the few Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that I haven't, that I hadn't seen other than like a few of like the ones where he just has like cameos or, but like if it's like starring vehicles, it's like one of like three, I think, that I hadn't seen. I remember when the movie came out, though, there was this big emphasis in the marketing on the rail guns. So like, oh, it's these crazy guns, blah, 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 blah. They're like these you know, X-ray scopes and bullets that go through, you know, concrete walls and blow people into smithereens, et cetera. And they made a big deal on that, and they made a big deal about the, uh, like, the airplane scene with the parachute and all that stuff. Oh, which and is very bad. It's very bad in the sense that it's like a ridiculously conceived action scene. But the special effects and the stunts are pretty good. You Weird. Know, pretty I thought good. the effects were terrible. For Especially 90s... when you compare it to, like, uh, you know, things that were actually filmed, like uh, Drop Zone or Point Break, you, movies that had come out several years earlier. True. I mean, okay, so those ones are, like, better. I think th- I think those ones are better... Uh better achieved they're better they're better conceived action scenes i think the special effects are pretty good for 96 particularly showing like how much they're putting you know the actors within the action where it's close-ups and you can see their entire body falling through the sky etc and are not actually falling through the sky it's just all green screen but it was like decent decently done green screen and stuff like that uh yeah obviously i think 100 percent 
the uh, the the scenes in Point Break are better scenes, but they are also l- more limited in like what they're showing visually because they're not trying to achieve those wide shots where you can see Arnold Schwarzenegger's face clearly falling through falling through the sky. It's like they're blowing a fan up on Keanu Reeves' face while he stands on the chair and they shoot the camera up so it looks like he's in the sky. And it works. It works okay, totally fine. Okay, guy who knows how they shoot movies. I know. I'm just saying it works totally fine. It achieves it in a more believable way. I was just saying, like, I'm to the actual, like, technicians who worked on the film, like, they did a good job achieving what they were told to do. I love that shot. There's one shot where there it's someone definitely falling out of the sky but it is not Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it yeah, is like his, it is his stunt person, and they have the most ridiculous face I've ever seen. Because that, that's what someone's face actually looks like when they're falling out of an airplane. You yeah, know? it looks like they got blasted in the face by a jet engine. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, which, yeah, that that to me is so funny because there is that one shot where you can clearly—it's a close-up of the stunt guy's face—and. I can also just imagine watching that in a theater where it's going to be like five times as big. Yeah. Like that, like that stuff always baffles me. I know I've talked about this many times before in the matrix reloaded where there's that slow motion close up of Keanu Reeves stunt man, just like coming at the camera. Yeah. Well, and it's like, who was like, yeah, no one will notice. Just leave it in there. Now this movie came out at a time when, Arnold Schwarzenegger was having a lot of ups and downs with his career. He was definitely yeah. a mega star, but we had just he had just recovered from the flop of Last Action Hero, which according to the latest documentary on Netflix about Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was so depressed after Last Action Hero flopped that he didn't like leave his house for like a week. Yeah. But luckily after that, uh James Cameron was able to like pull him out of the, you know, he had one foot in the grave, and he James Cameron pulled him out with uh, True Lies, right? Yeah. And then this is the like what two years later? Yes, after True Lies. So this was his next big move. Well, if you also look at his career as a whole, right? I mean, so he was like, it, when we look back at him now, you know, it's like easy to think that he was always a mega, a mega star. But throughout the majority of the 80s, he was kind of like, he was a well-known figure. But in terms of being a movie star, he was kind of like a rising star through most of it. And it wasn't really kind of until the late 80s that he really started to surpass that. You know, it was like... Yeah, he was having to prove himself. Right. It was like Twins and Total Recall, which really kind of pushed him over the edge. And then... He, like he culminated with his biggest biggest success, which was Terminator Two, a couple years later. So it was like Twins, Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop, then Terminator Two, and that was like it, right? That was most successful movie of all time at that point. He was like he trans, he like completely became the biggest action star, like passing passing Stallone by a, by a lot. Um, and then right, but then right after that, it's like it becomes his his track record becomes incredibly spotty, at least in terms of financial and like you know success and how well the movies were received publicly versus you know how good they were. Well, and also the the sort of the expectation became absurd, right? right? It's like they're expecting this guy who is you know relatively like one dimensional to just come out with uh, banger after banger, and it's like well. You know, it's not always going to work. And he obviously, like, made some, you know, took some risks. They took some risks with Last Action Hero making a spoof of the genre and, like, turning the whole thing on its head, like, doing something kind of subversive and interesting. And if you want to hear more about our opinions on Last Action Hero, go listen to that episode because... I feel that that is one of uh, as one of his gr- truly great movies. It's also one of our great episodes. So I think it's probably yeah, it's, it it's one of our best episodes for sure. I think I don't like the movie that one as much as you do, Go but I hell. do. I do think that it is <laughs> genuinely like did not re- deserve the flack it received. No, he went for something with twins. He went for something with Kindergarten Cop, with Last Action Hero, with Junior. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's he's going for something. He's trying. Like he's stretching outside of these sort of normal expectations and you know what he thinks he can do and what he thinks that uh, other people think he can do. So well, I mean, that, it, in I that mean, regard, you have to yeah. you give him some kudos. If you look at, I mean, honestly, if you look at his career, you know, prior to Terminator Two as well, which I mean, that's clearly the high water mark in terms of a career in in the sense that it was his most successful film, one of his best received films. You know, he was like solidified as a megastar. You know, but if you look at the stuff before that, it's it's kind of the track record there is kind of spotty too. You know, you have his first starring role, which is Conan the Barbarian, which is great. Uh, and next one is Conan the Destroyer, which is kind of a fun B movie, but like it's not necessarily good. Terminator, great. Red Sonja sucks. I know a lot of people like Commando. I'm not particularly fond of it. Then you have Raw Deal. Um, that's actually one of the ones I've never seen. Yeah, like if you're into to... those type of movies, uh, mm-hmm. you like it. But if you're not, like it's. It's not flashy. It's not interesting. It's just like a crime movie. Right. Then you have Predator, which is like right up at the very top of his best movies. Uh, Running Man, which is kind of a fun movie, but not necessarily a good movie. That in, oh, man. We term- should, you know, what we should do is we should do one of the. Have you seen those uh, tier lists that people make on YouTube? Yeah. We should make an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie tier list. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the kids would love it. The James Mansfield story would be number one. <laughs> or what about uh, that movie, Villain? I Okay, so I've not the, seen that movie. The Villain? I can't The Villain. I've not seen that movie since I was a really little kid. But yeah, I, that might be my ooh, first exposure to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think effect. it's probably mine, too. It was like that. And then, like, I watched Predator and Terminator when I was very, very little. Like, two, what most people would consider way too young to see those movies. But his career has always had the the kind of like all over the place aspect of it. But he makes Terminator 2 and it really, he really doesn't have anything that gets called out as a standout really after that. You know, with maybe True Lies being a mild exception. I mean, but True Lies was like a monster, mega blockbuster hit. Oh, it was a huge hit, absolutely. No no question about that. I'm just talking about when people look back at his career in retrospect. After Terminator 2, nothing really gets pointed to as, as one of his great movies. Oh, sure. Know? I think maybe two, you know, he went into politics right after, the, shortly after that too, so that obviously. Yeah, that was like seven years. Yeah. And then he came back with movies like I think uh, End of Days was his big like comeback movie, and then it was you know The Sixth Day and Collateral Damage and shit like that. I mean, one he's getting older, and this style. I mean, like his style of yeah. What is he like? Forty seven in this movie. Oh, I mean, at least right. At least he was born in nineteen forty seven. The movie came out in nineteen ninety six, so that would make him. Yeah, he was 47. Almost, yeah, almost 50, yeah. And you know what's funny is I, I talked about the opening credits. This guy's supposed to be like a black ops, like slick, you know, blend in, low key guy. Yeah. And he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. So from minute one, I was like, no, this is the wrong guy. <laughs> right. This. Well, okay. So yeah, let's actually talk about the movie instead of like everything else around the movie. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird, uh, but at the same time, it's like it, he's not doing uh, like a thing where he's he's in disguise or he's just a straight up supposed to be like a straight up ghost. Like you never see him coming and then he's gone, right? Yeah, you never Which, see him coming. There shouldn't be anything distinct about him. Unfortunately, he's this massive bodybuilder right. with a thick Austrian accent. At one point, he's on the phone calling 911 in the opening sequence. Right, yes. And I'm like, bro, you just left behind a key piece of evidence of your identity. Right. So now imagine you do that for several different, helping several different witnesses disappear, and you make 911 calls. All of a sudden, there's a th- there's a common thread. Uh, yeah, as long as the 911 operator is in on the conspiracy, he's fucked. I don't have so much of a problem with him playing the kind of this 
covert guy so much. I thought it was actually kind of a fun idea to see him doing that since it's so different from what he normally does. But I think it's it hilarious. It would be to... if it hadn't completely been abandoned. Right. Yes, that's true. Like it, it that goes away pretty quickly. Yeah, we'll talk about um, that later. But it's it's so funny because when the movie starts, I'm like, okay, some sort of black ops CIA operative or you know some sort of independent contractor who gets hired by these agents to agencies to do stuff, and he's like, no, he's just a U.S. marshal. Yeah, he goes into the U.S. Like, marshal's office, which when he, is when like they, a. When, when he says, I'm with the U.S. Marshals, I'm like, come again? Like, that's a highly regulated, like, well, that's not, not a, even, like, a uh, sort of, like, off-the-shelf, like, deep state-type no. organization, right? Yeah, like, it's those are the, like, Tom Lee Jones's character in The Fugitive is also a U.S. Marshal. Yeah, they're you know? a very public organization. Yeah, they're but just, it, like, they're just, like, uh, like, cops who hunt uh, down like escapees and stuff, you know. But he works for a, a particular division called Witsec. Maybe the, I, this is my ignorance. I mean, obviously, this movie is not realistic, but maybe there is a, a section of the U.S. Marshals that does more covert jobs. But it was just with at least like the general understanding of what the U.S. Marshals are. It was pretty comical to me when he when he says that. I, I laughed out loud. Yeah, and that's really like the biggest like stumble from the beginning is like okay was this supposed to be a spy movie right or like that type of thriller because it not like it it starts in the opening credits and then is completely abandoned like just a few minutes in yeah i mean the whole movie is weird in the sense that like yeah arnold had a a flop with last action hero but he comes back with true lies which Maybe it doesn't get looked at as a classic, but it was a huge success and a, technically a very well-made movie, you know. Uh, and then Chuck Russell is straight off the heels of The Mask, which is a monster hit, you know. Uh, not just for him, but like catapulted Jim Carrey into megastardom. Uh, and then this movie comes out, which just seems so slapped together and so lazy and like, I know you didn't think it seems phoned in, like, but to me it seems just completely just like, let's just cut and paste four Arnold Schwarzenegger screenplay. Like, it, it was almost like, okay, we got these four screenplays, Arnold. Which one do you want to be in them? And he goes, all of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Let's, uh, you only have time to do one movie. He's like, put them together. And he's like, like, okay, put it together, you know. But don't spend too much time doing it. Yeah. Like when I first started watching it, my first initial thought was, uh, I mean, this was like a like like a Lorenzo Lamas or Antonio Sabato Jr. made for TV action movie, except it wasn't made for TV and it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. And then as it went along a little bit, I was like, oh no, this is like a late '80s Charles Bronson movie without the charm. And then at the end, it turned kind of turns into like the Terminator, but he's not a robot. Yeah, that was the we- one of the weirdest moments where all of a sudden it just turns and it's just it's Arnold like walking along the docks like just like frying people with rail guns and like shit's blowing up and his shirt's getting ripped off and I was like, "Wait a second. Weren't we doing this like you know, thriller with uh, this cat and mouse game with James Caan and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Vanessa Williams is caught in the middle?" Apparently not. Yeah, I don't and the whole alligator scene or crocodile scene i can see i can totally see how on paper they're like oh this is gonna be so cool like they're gonna meet at the zoo and then we're gonna you know shoot out the alligator tank and then it's gonna be arnold fighting these alligators it's gonna be awesome it would have been pro i mean and it's not awesome it's it's not awesome in the (laughs) it sucks it really sucks uh, this is, I mean, this is one of the rare times on the show where we're just completely ripping a movie apart. Um, I mean, we've done it a handful, like this in like Dreamscape. This is movies better than Dreamscape, but that scene, yeah, on paper, there's a there's a version of that scene that could be cool in a different type of movie, and maybe there's just one or two alligators, like, and they're like, it's the feeding frenzy of alligators, you know? It's not like oh, there's an alligator loose. And no one knows where the alligator is. And then someone gets eaten by the alligator. It's just like, it's just a wall-to-wall alligator attacks and 
terrible CGI. Yeah, really bad. Like really bad. Like I just said, like earlier, I said like the the, they did a pretty good job with, you know, the the airplane scene with the with the tools they had at the time. This was there was nothing good about what was happening with the alligators. Um, it's yeah, it's atrocious. And then is that is it's right after that where he goes to the church, right, and hides out in the church. Does he hide in a church? Oh my god, do you not remember that scene? They're hike hiding on the roof of the church and then the priest comes out and he goes, Mr. Racer, you're safe now. And and Arnold goes like, Oh, this is my buddy. Uh, he used to be a, con- a Colombian like uh, drug smuggler, but now he's a, he's a priest in the inner city because I straightened him out. Oh, weird. Maybe I got up to <laughs> Oh man, get a drink or something. That's weird. I, I, the one thing that I can like would make me recommend this movie is there's a handful of scenes like that where that are just so goofy that I lost it. I and love I, the I unabashedly love the f- stupid wise guy squad. Oh yeah. Like when they go to the docks and try to put the squeeze on the <laughs> yes, military uh, guys. <laughs> I mean that whole thing where he's all like the whole, the whole part, like, because this movie is like, it's the beginning part is kind of funny like that, or like attempting to be funny, where like the gangsters are beating him up, and the like the 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 when the moon hits your eye song is playing, but then Arnold shows up and it's very serious, and it's like this right out of the gates, it's this weird mishmash where you're like, what's going on? Like, what kind of movie is this? And then it, you know, the rest of it is fairly not good, but fairly straightforward action movie and then that that happens at the end where like all of a sudden he's like okay i'm going to team up with this low-level mobster and witness protection and it's just going to be straight slapstick yeah and and like one-liners it's so goofy that yeah the movie it gets incredibly better at that point because you're like what's going to happen next you know i'm with you I, i that part i absolutely loved because it was so bad there's also that scene in the junkyard after the the parachuting where he crash lands on top of a car and doesn't break every bone in his body. Right. And then he's and got then, like some... does the bargain with the kids. Yeah, he makes a deal with the kids. What's that? That girl, the little girl, says like "Welcome to Earth" or whatever. Yes. Because <laughs> he fell out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like just oddball comedy moments. Which you know, I mean, is kind of par for the course. In Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies, you know, there always had to be gags put in there, some humor. But these ones, they feel like almost like an SNL, like a, like a bad SNL skit. Yeah, a lot of mocking. his one-liners in this seem like an afterthought because it really starts out like he's not like a wisecracking no. guy. And then all of a sudden he starts like, you know, Vanessa Williams is like, you're late. And he's like, traffic. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it just, it starts piling on and becomes this, like, it definitely, like, feels like, oh, they were like, we need to Arnold this up. Right. Can we like make this sh- more Arnold style? Like, maybe they were watching the dailies or something. And they're like, this isn't very good. Yeah. Like, what can we do type of thing? Like, or they, yeah. somebody thought it was just too bland or too straightforward or whatever. But And the movie does kind of definitely reek of, reek of like, rewriting while filming type of thing you know like it has that vibe that that they're restructuring the movie as they're already making it well and apparently uh, chuck russell and the producer had such a rocky relationship during the production that like arnold had to be like a go-between to negotiate yeah. and and get things done because they weren't speaking yeah. to each other so that is unfortunate so yeah, I didn't. Did you? This is your first time watching it too, right? Yeah, and I distinctly remember when this came out. I was in what middle school, I think. Yeah, and I remember people loving it and thinking it was mm-hmm. cool. Like, oh, I love Eraser. Eraser is my favorite movie, and all this. The kids are so stupid; they don't know I could, anything. I, I, yeah, I remember when it came out and be like, and I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, like you know, like loved and i remember seeing that coming out and be like oh man that looks so good i gotta see it and then for whatever reason never saw it but i bet you if i had seen this as a kid i would have been like that's tight maybe i don't know yeah probably well like i was saying like this really is like if you're not like a movie person 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you would be weirded out by like Total Recall or, you mm-hmm. know, you don't like the game show elements of the running man, this is a type of movie you would like if you're just like, oh yeah, let I just catch a movie once in a while. Like, of course, like for us, like we watch all kinds of weird shit, you know? And even, you know, things that are like just slightly off center. Yeah. So someone who is just like someone who just buys like you know, uh, like white tennis shoes at uh, Big Five, and that's the shoes they wear, right? They're going to love this. Well, I mean, it's a perfectly fine, like, hey, I'm, you know, I've used this analogy before. You don't really flip through the channels anymore. But if flipping through the channels was still a thing, you're like, oh, a racer's on. I'll leave that on in the background while I, you know, prep dinner or, you know, fold laundry or do whatever like it's a perfect movie for that because it's not like it's it's not it moves along just fine for the most part yeah. it lags at a few parts but most of the time it's moving along all right uh you have the familiarity of seeing arnold and you know he's always like a, a good presence and you know there is the some really goofy parts in it that are just that maybe would make you turn and go like hey what's going on right now uh so it's perfectly adequate in that sense of a movie and i really wasn't expecting this one to be great um i wasn't expecting it to be like oh the the forgotten arnold schwarzenegger no. movie that actually is is a champion uh in fact actually the reason why we ended up doing this one is because you for some reason you thought that this was an old favorite of mine but yeah. i had never seen it so we were like well let's just do it and see what happens you know but i was expecting it to be better than this you know i thought it might be closer in terms of quality to maybe not as good as end of days but like kind of that level of like where he's not making necessarily amazing movies but he's making um a competent you know yeah or at least an interesting movie right you know i mean i would say that's more like what's going on with with end of days it's which you can also listen to that episode on the podcast, people, if you haven't heard that one yet. It's more like it's more like interesting to see him in that type of movie. Yeah. And that movie being particularly great. I mean, I do like that movie. I enjoy it quite a bit, but it's not I wouldn't call it a great movie. No, we're willing to um, overlook the flaws because what's there is exciting and interesting and you know, it's something to chew on. There's really nothing to chew on here. No, not not at all. I will uh, say though, I like James Kahn. I think the when he pushes his character into kind of like the more of a dick and the more vicious he becomes, the more entertaining and interesting he becomes. Well, there's no question that he's great at that type of role. And like, that's what he was doing in this period of his career was just playing like some sort of bad guy. But there's better movies or more fun movies that he does that in, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's sort of the real story here is like a- after anything happened, it made me think of a better movie and I wanted to go watch that. Right. Like when there was the parachuting scene, I was like, oh, I'd rather watch uh, Passenger 57 or something like that. Right. And then when James Caan was on, I was like, oh, I feel like watching Way the Gun. Right. Oh, that's I totally thought about that when he was when he was on. I was just like, yeah, I thought of his like his Bagman character in that. Yeah. And I was just and I was just like. Because he's not really the villain in that movie, but he there's some similar attitude to the characters. Yeah, but he's but he's way better in it because it's a better written character, and the movie's really good too. So yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, it's just kind of the movie that reminds you of better movies. I mean, like, yeah, and also like all the cameos by all these different you know genre guys. I was like, right. oh, you're in this movie, which you know, I'd rather watch. I'd rather watch The Rock. I'd rather watch Con Air or Speed or uh, Hard Target or any. Any of these other like incredible action movies that came out during that well, you, decade? You know what this one kind of reminds me a lot of is the like the first Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, but not you know, enough even th- missiony. Right. I mean, like, yeah, it's not like the same thing. Like, it's not like it's not you know, there's no like spies or anything, but there's like internal like moles and like agents that have gone bad and all this stuff and like a lot of the action scenes have a lot of similarities to yeah. them they're just not as good i mean like the alligator scene i mean like and then the fish tank scene in, in mission impossible and i was actually like 
a few nights ago uh, watching the first Mission Impossible, and I was like, yeah, this is a really good movie. Um, and then what? Then what? Kind of just funny to juxtapose them together. I was like, oh, it's in surface similarities, very similar, but like not nearly as good. I can also go to bat in defense of surprisingly Vanessa Williams. Oh yeah, she's good. I was actually, you know, they sort of set her up as like the helpless witness in all this. But she does, I don't know if this was her like ineptitude or if it was intentional or inexperienced, like whatever it was, but she doesn't sort of cower in fear and sort of she didn't play it as sort of this weepy like I'm in over my head because she still is kind of in a high level government position. And so she kind of has an idea of, you know, she's not used to the level of danger, but she is sort of aware of it. And so she, you know, is in fear of her life and on the run, but she's not like just so like helpless against it. And she also gets a few action sequences. She gets to shoot some guns and hit some people and she seems to fit very well. And I, I would have loved to see her in more, stuff like that her her role is kind of as it is in, in like just the the script is you know fairly generic and uh yeah. underwritten and she does a very good job of breathing some level of life into what otherwise could be uh completely completely just like forgettable character yeah so yeah credit to her um, James Cromwell's performance in this movie is kind of, <laughs> I, he's in the movie for about four seconds, you know, which, I mean, it's not that surprising that he wouldn't have a larger role because this was right before he kind of broke out into being like a bigger character actor. You know, I think it was like right after Babe, which was actually a leading role, but before he kind of settled into that, like, I'm going to be the go-to character guy if you need someone to play a boss or a cop uh lieutenant or sergeant or yeah, the something tall like that. guy with glasses yeah for for the next five or seven years however long that lasted for him you know so it's not crazy that he would have a, like a like a basically a two-minute role in, in, in this movie but his performance is so comically bad and the whole scene is pretty pretty goofy too oh, i love but. the ending to the climax of that where he, yeah, he shoots himself incredible. and it blows out the window and all the papers just start flying around. It creates a vacuum as if they are on the in the upper atmosphere about to enter space. It's insanity, yeah. <laughs> what like it, it makes it has a bigger effect on the office in terms of like uh, pressure change than it does when Arnold opens a door on a Boeing 747, you know, or whatever it is in like 10,000 feet above the, above the, uh, the, the ground. It's incredible. I will say though, I was genuinely shocked by that. Like I was not actively engaged in the movie. And so when he turned the gun on himself, I was, it genuinely like got my attention. So yeah. Kudos. I mean, that was something, yeah, another thing, like, this movie does have moments that make make you stop and go, what just happened? You know? And it's not even that they're they're that incredibly wild necessarily in and of themselves. They're just so out of place. Yeah, because it lulls you into, like, just an expectation of this being, like, very bland. Right. Like, the alligator scene, there's other movies, like, movies where I would be like not as shocked that that was a thing, but it, it really comes out of left field in a movie like this, you know, and it's bad, but it it's completely out of left field. All that aside, I can 100% recommend this movie just for the, the final ending, which is just, <laughs> I'm glad that you're bringing that up because it's fucking wild to me that the big climax on the docks with right. everybody, it's the huge shootout. Everybody's got rail guns. The whole thing is like blowing up. There's a climactic fight scene between Arnold and James Caan on top of the shipping container that's dangling precariously over the the docks. James Caan is crushed. 
by a massive piece of shipping container and somehow still managed to survive. Arnold gets his leg impaled and shot through the shoulder uh, and it still manages. Everybody's alive. And they go to court. We go from this giant scene of mayhem and destruction. Everyone is alive and goes to court. Should we... uh, So I think either at this point we actually need to... because I realize we haven't explained what the plot of this movie is at all. So for for this ending to make a little bit of sense, we should either explain it right now or explain something, like do a little explanation and then tack it back on to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> but <laughs> the general plot of this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger is this U.S. Marshal who specializes in protecting witnesses, makes them disappear, like fakes their deaths, you know, that's he, why he's the he eraser. He them, if you yes. will. <laughs> so Vanessa Williams' character works for like an arms manufacturer that she, and she uncovers some plot to sell these hyper-advanced railguns to terrorists. And I love every- that the moral dilemma with that is they're selling them to the wrong people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they sold them right. to the bad guys instead of the good guys. Right. So basically everybody's in on this conspiracy to sell these guns, including this other guy played by James Caan, who works with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the U.S. Marshals. And then also the the U.S. Secretary of Defense is is the main guy. He's not the main villain, but he's the main guy behind the, the arms deal. Right. So, yeah, at the end of the movie, like you just said, they go to court and it's James Caan, who's now walking with like two canes or something in the uh, secretary of defense being arraigned for uh, <laughs> for treason and then and then leaving the courthouse. Yes, yeah, is free to go. Just free to go. And then 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 what happens, Keith? It appears as though our villains are going to get away completely scot-free and they get into a limousine to revel in their villainy. And uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger and Vanessa Williams get into a van that uh, explodes into atoms. And uh, those guys are all chatting. They're congratulating each other on the job well done for blowing up the witnesses, the only witnesses, right? <laughs> they're like, this is my favorite they're part. Like, they're like... Wait, I didn't blow up the witnesses. I thought you I, blew I, up the witnesses. I thought you blew up the witnesses. <laughs> no, I thought you blew up the witnesses. And then the locks go down on the limo. Not only locks go down, the limo stops on the train track. The goofy mob sidekick from earlier gets out of the limousine because he was the limo driver. The locks go down. Yeah, he scampers off and immediately a train has arrived. And, yeah. Uh, and rams the limo into into nothing after their phone rings and they answer it and uh, james con looks out the window and sees arnold schwarzenegger standing there not exploded because it was all a trick he was all an erasure and then he says you're erased yeah that's the big thing is you to tell people they've just been erased but in, in this fact, context you, it's in the, fact if you look dead. on the, like an imdb like his character has like an actual name in the movie which i can't remember but if you look on IADB, his character name is just listed as Eraser. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. In fact, actually, that thumbnail should just be, that should be our thumbnail for the episode. It's just a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger with his, it's credited as Eraser. There's one final li- one-liner after that where he gets back into a different truck with Vanessa Williams and she goes, what what happened to them? And he goes, oh, we had, they had to catch a train. Holy shit. It says eraser. I told you. <laughs> Why does it say eraser? His name he is ra- John Kruger. No, he erased that. He erased that from existence. Weird. He went on IMDb, crossed it off with a little, with a little eraser, got rid of it, and then wrote in eraser. What the fuck? Well, yeah, so that's pretty much the movie. Eraser, um... Yeah, that ending is nuts, to be honest. Like, I didn't, I could not believe that that was, like, all the whole movie was set up to be like, oh, it's slick and it's clever and it's improvisation and it's all this. And then it just becomes like a fucking, like, hammer, just like smashing things. 
Xbox by the yeah. end. <laughs> I mean, literally, this is why I would ultimately recommend the movie is just just for just for that for those like those those moments and that ending i mean like i've already spoiled the ending but like i was not like every time i was about to be like ah do i even want to finish this you know uh, something would happen i'd be like okay let's go let's go let's go and then by the end i was just like for the win you did it you did it so yeah this is a bad movie that i still would uh, recommend how about you Absolutely not. I absolutely I, not. Maybe I'm just like jaded, but like, damn, this no, movie it's bad. It's it's bad. Okay, like it's bad. It I wasn't did, even like, like I've seen a lot of bad movies, and like I can laugh and giggle and enjoy the hell out of them, even if they're bad. Right. But this one was just like it, it kept trying to tell me that it wasn't a bad movie, and then it would be a bad movie, and I was like, right. hey, wait a second, you can't. No, I. I genuinely considered, I genuinely considered turning the movie off like three or four times, but I don't know if you, I would have, but then when the ending happened, I, I, I'd lost it so much and I don't know if I would have appreciated that ending without as much as I did without the rest of the movie in front of it. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't recommend it. I've already, you know, you already heard what happened. That's about it. That's all you need. You know what movie I would recommend, however, that I also just watched, is Lamb. If you haven't seen Lamb, people, go check that movie out. There's no rail guns in it. No. There's some railing that happens. If you're not familiar with this movie, it's about two Icelandic sheep farmers, husband and wife, and one of their sheep gives birth to a little uh, half-human half a uh, uh, sheep baby and they decide to raise it as their own and i know that sounds kind of silly but the movie is actually not silly at all and it's pretty uh has some pretty like just kind of like good lord scenes in it so i i would highly recommend that movie i too recommend that movie that is a movie i laughed during i got bored during and then i my jaw hit the floor by the end. And so in that capacity, it's watchable as hell. So I never got bored by it. And I did laugh during the movie too, but there are some like parts in it that are supposed to be funny. Are those the parts you're referring to? Or are there other parts that you laughed at? Oh no, I just laughed at, uh, I laughed based on the absurdity of uh, what I was seeing. Yeah. Just like the, uh, on the sheer concept. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't believe that the, this was this was it. This is what was happening. But I had the I had the whole roller coaster of emotions being going from amused and tickled to alarmed and sort of disturbed. So it was all in there. That first opening shot where it's the POV shot and and that happens a couple other times later. I found those those scenes genuinely like scary. Which which I, I, I honestly like that that feeling of feeling genuinely scared. I don't I don't experience too often. Don't watch Eraser. Watch Lamb. Yeah, or watch literally any other of the best action movies from the 1990s. I mean, there's a whole catalog. There you have it. Well, guys, I think you don't have anything else. Any final thoughts on Eraser? Oh uh, no, but uh, rest in peace to Treat Williams. Oh, yeah. Who just passed away, a star of a movie I really love, uh, Deep Rising. Uh Uh-huh. A really fun uh, horror adventure thriller. Uh, Died in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, that just happened a couple days ago. Someone else died recently, too, right? I can almost guarantee it. Well, yes, Keith, of course. But I feel like a couple, like there was someone else who died. Oh, Cormac McCarthy just died too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like the day before. Yeah, I'm right in the middle of uh, Blood Meridian. Blood Meridian, yeah. And it's a real... So, I mean, he was, he was super old though. He was like 90 years old or something. So. Yeah, he was almost 100, in fact. Yeah, 200 years old, I think. Yeah, 5,000 so, years old. He was an ancient so, I mean, mummy writing books to curse the earth that uh, wronged him. So. That's it. That's all there is. And you know what happens when people die? You got to call the rest in peace department, which, as you may know, is going to be our next movie. So join us for that. 
rest in peace department from 2013 starring brian reynolds which is almost a very similar plot to dead again starring treat williams dead again yeah you you ever see that one no i thought he was in dead heat oh that's what i'm thinking of dead heat (laughs) i was like what are you talking about Dead Again is a is a movie. Is it's a kind of pro- Can you imagine being one of those actors who's in just a bunch of movies with very similar titles, and people yeah. are like, "What movies were you in?" And you're like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Dead Again is a movie. That's a Kenneth Branagh movie, but okay. yeah, Dead Heat, which is about ghost cops, and so is. R R I P Department, I guess. Right. Yeah. Rest in peace, Department. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll do a face off. Uh, RAPD versus Dead Heat and see which one comes out on top. Turns out neither one of them are good. Oh. All right, guys. Okay, this could go on forever. So that's it for this episode of The Trash Heap. Thanks for listening. And Keith, what do you always say? Your luggage. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everybody. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing. <laughs>